You're listening to WCAT Radio, your home for authentic Catholic programming. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Word of Mouth podcast. My name is Michael Warren. I'm happy to be your host again on this wonderful episode that we have. Our guest today is Barbara Powers Harris, and Barb has a, a truly uh, illuminating life story for us today, just very rich uh, tale about her experience of life. Um, there has been such a, a vast array of experiences that that Barb has um, experienced in her life, and I, I'm just so much looking forward to her sharing story with you all today. And I'll just remind uh, all our listeners tuning in today: uh, we thank you again so much for uh, your faithfulness to our. Our podcast and our program, um, we are very grateful for you listening and sharing with your friends, so please like and um, share any of the episodes with your friends that you uh, find helpful in your own faith journey. just want to uh, remind you that we, we can be accessed on WCAT Radio, uh, which is a, an internet radio service that you can find o- online. And then also we have uh, a podcast that uh, is available on Spreaker.com. So if you just go to Spreaker.com and then in the search bar you type word of mouth, there will be a couple um, options if you search that route. Um, just search for the one, though, that has um, the, the heading Society and Culture. So that would be the one that uh, I host and, and have a guest every month. So just yeah, a reminder, you can access us on WCAT Radio or Spreaker.com. Again, the, the title of the podcast is Word of Mouth, and we're so blessed to be able to share stories of disciples of the Lord just with you um, every month. And so as I begin today, just again, I, I'm happy to uh, introduce uh, Barb to you all. And so I'm just going to read uh, a brief introduction. She'll, she'll cover much more in the interview. Uh, but uh, Barb uh, describes herself as a lifelong teacher. She sees teaching as sharing what she knows, understands, and values. Thus, everyone can be a student and everyone a teacher. Special projects that Barb has undertaken recently include writing The Promise, which is the moving story of a family in the Holocaust, for Penguin Books UK, and survivor and humanitarian Ava Schloss. So this is a book about a survivor of the Holocaust. Also, uh, other projects that Barb has undertaken have been creating and exhibiting Heaven's Gate, which is a portrait tribute to children in the Holocaust, She's also creating and exhibiting Heaven's Rosarium, which is a 15-foot rosary composed of miniature portraits of our Blessed Mother and miniature poems called lanterns. I think I'm saying that right. She'll correct me in a second if, if that's not correct. Um, based on Marian prayers, the Hail Mary, the Memorari, the Hail Holy Queen, and the Regina Chaley. And then most notably, um, and most recently, that we'll share this at the end of the episode as well, um, she has assembled what is called A New and Glorious Morn that you can access on YouTube. And she has collaborated with her daughter, Clara, who is the vocalist in this video, and her son, Neil, who is the producer of this. Again, it's called A New and Glorious Morn. And there's a quote here. We were excited to create a video montage of portraits, prayers, and music for Mary that can be shared easily. Okay? And so sharing this particular video online has, is what has connected Barb to me. Um, as I came across this video at the recommendation of a friend. Again, it's called A New and Glorious More. Currently, Barb's ministry involves outreach to Catholics around the globe. She shares her personal story and tribute to our Blessed Mother so that others might be strengthened, comforted, and uplifted on their journey of faith. And so from the introduction, you can tell that 
Barb is an extraordinary woman, and I'm looking forward to this interview. And so, Barb, thank you so much for joining me today. How, how have you been over these crazy COVID months? Oh, thank you kindly, Michael. Um, just fine, just fine. Uh, you know, uh, counting blessings. I do have a sister in the hospital, but um, and uh, there's always a reason to keep praying and uh, keep working together. But but we count our blessings, and that always carries us through. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for being with me today. And we'll just dive right in here as we, as we begin this opening segment. We always like to talk to the guests about just uh, significant moments in your faith journey and encounters with the Lord. So we certainly want to get to that in just a moment. But um, do you have any background information, Barb, uh, other than the, the wonderful introduction that you provided me with? Is there anything... Um, about your background that you would like our listeners to know uh, before we kind of dive into uh, the the more substantial elements today. Oh, thank you. Um, yes, I, I do think our frame of reference um, has something to do with where we are in our lives, and 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 we realize over time that that much of what we have to work with and to share came from many other people, uh, most especially from our parents and their parents. And I'm the second of 11 children, uh, a German Catholic family, very large family. Uh, My parents were from large families. And uh, my siblings and I were born in 13 years. Um, So we were very tight-knit. Mom was very organized. What went for one went for all. Um, but dad would tell us things like we were his best insurance policy because he knew we'd take care of each other. And in fact, he and my mom, who are both in heaven, um, uh, are seeing just that as life plays out. There's many times when we need to call on each other, even though we live in nine different states. So we're pretty spread out. Um, I am married to a wonderful man of spirit. He, his name is Michael. He works as a cloud computing business analyst and um, very intuitive, a wonderful Christian um, who says we, uh, we operate on a different frequency. Um, he, uh, uh, this is his marriage to me is his first marriage. This is my second marriage. He did not have any children of his own, but he he has shared insights that I have searched for, and you'll find out as I as I share my story why I've needed to search for these uh, this understanding. And I say, how do you know what I have looked so fervently for? And he said, it's my love for you that that speaks to me. And so this is certainly been a blessing to both of us and um, it's definitely part of of my ability to share with others. Um, I'm a mother of four sons and one daughter and a Grammy to three grandchildren. So uh, what a joy, joy, joy that is. Um, They're all innovative thinkers and explorers, every last one of them, and uh, they also love learning, and they love sharing what they learn, even at a very young age. So um, I think that captures my background. Sure, that's a lot of, um, that's in a all nutshell. of yeah. mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, and so uh, as we look kind of into your background, where you're coming from, 
I guess the next transition would be into kind of early faith experiences in your life. So anything that's kind of molded you and shaped you in your faith journey as you've uh, been a disciple of the Lord. Um, absolutely, absolutely. That that becomes more evident as time goes on. Um, my dad's oldest brother, uh, Father Gordon Cray, uh, Brown Franciscan, Uncle Gordy, um, when he came to visit us from out of town, he would say mass on the coffee table in the living room. And boy, I didn't know anybody else that had that experience. And that was just such a wonderful thing to look back on. And um, it, it made the liturgy feel like a meal, which in fact it is. And the prayers and his sermon were just like a conversation. It, it, it's just a wonderful way to experience the liturgy and our sacraments, and I am so appreciative of that. Um, my parents uh, led the prayer of St. Francis every single day. Uh, my dad went to St. Bonaventure University. He named many of my brothers after Franciscan priests there, and um, this became our norm. It really was our norm. It's the way we lived. He'd, he'd, he'd bring it up where there's injury pardon. And, you know, we weren't all happy to, to be reminded, you know, that we had to keep being nice to each other or whatever. And, but um, where there's stout faith, we, we kept coming back to this foundation. Um, Dad also uh, prayed novenas. He, he led us in the rosary during Lent as a family. Uh, a lot, not all the time, but I certainly remember uh, remember that um, experience. And I remember in the summers him telling us we should go to weekly mass. We were the only kids there, and um, but of course, you know, we did. And um, uh, again, those are very special memories because they spoke loud and clear what was important. Um, in high school, I went to an all-girls high school called Villa Angela Academy in Cleveland. Um, I grew up in both in Cleveland and New Jersey, um, but we were in Cleveland then. And the Ursuline Sisters, a teaching order, um, gave us some wonderful experiences that also mirrored my experience at John Carroll, which is a Jesuit university. And, and that really involved encouraging us students to ask questions and ponder our faith and our vocation. So while we're learning, we were process, process, process. What did this have to do with us? And what did we have to contribute to what we were learning in terms of our thought in, and also in terms of our spirit and our conscience? And um, I realized through that that all Catholics, including me, um, have a voice and have a role in the church. So that was, that was big. Sure. No, that's very true. That's huge. Yeah. Um, we were just talking with a friend yesterday about that, as a matter of fact, just, yeah, about uh, the need for everyone to live a devoted life to Christ in their own state. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely the, the new evangelization. It's the call that we have. So, I mean, I'm glad that you were introduced to that at a, very, at a very young age, and praise God that I was, too, just that idea of a personal mission and a, and a personal role that we have as disciples. Um, the next thing, Barb, uh, as you kind of grew up and, and um, obviously experienced this significant moment in, um, in high school, uh, other faith turning points. I know that we talked kind of in the initial 
conversation we had just about some powerful experiences that you've had that have really shaped your faith. So if you wouldn't mind just talking a little bit about some faith turning points that you've encountered. Um, absolutely. Well, I, I, I did have a very, very specific faith turning point. And um, after, after we uh, clarified it as that, I thought, well, maybe more, more accurately I should call this a leap of faith. Um, uh, and a major leap of faith because my faith didn't really change. And that was a blessing that it wasn't, it was in harmony with this new way of seeing things, but it grew exponentially. And that, that was um, triggered by uh, when my third son, Bobby, um, was taken to heaven and he had a sudden severe respiratory illness. He stopped breathing when I was holding him. It came out of the blue, healthy baby. He was 21 months old, and I, they could never really explain what happened. And two months later, my dad left the world. And um, so they say when your child leaves the world, you've lost your future, or certainly your future has changed. When a parent leaves, your past has changed. And so I was thrown into a uh, – it was quite a whirlwind. And um, – and uh, I would say for the rest of your life, you integrate that, um, that experience. But I, I'm surprised when we talk about it. Um, well, I'm not surprised. I see when we talk about it how God works through our suffering. And the first thing that I recognized, and this was really quite early on, was that my prayers became bigger than words. I mean, I just couldn't, I just couldn't find words for, and it was, what were, what were my intentions? What, what were my actions? That became a prayer. I just knew it was a prayer because our God was big enough to, to meet me where I was at. Um, the, uh, another thing I recognized, and this I, I thought was, first I thought it was gradual, but in fact, as looking back, it, it really was a sudden realization. And that was that the magnitude of my grief reflected the magnitude of my love. And, and I remember very specifically being on the floor sobbing, wondering how I was ever, ever going to stand back up. And I, um, it was like a light you know, just popped into my head. And that light was, this is all because of love. That's why you are here. And that, that of course, you know, eventually can carry you forward. But, but that was really uh, very powerful. Um, and then, you know, I, I realized over time that what I was actually grieving for, what was actually gone was, the tangibles, the chance to see my son, to hear him, to touch him. Yes, very, very, you long for this. But in the recognition that this was, these were our tangible connections, the intangible connection became more real. And that was, that was very, uh, again, very powerful because it propelled me into the realm of spirit, and to, to focus on my own spirit. Um, I found comfort in unexpected places. And, and I will say hope was hard to find, but hope found me in unimaginable ways. And, and does God send signs? Are there miracles? Well, there's something that happens that's greater than our understanding that, that 
we're like a bridge to heaven. And um, I, one of the words I would give to this for myself, for this experience, is wonder. And it came not just from me. My five-year-old son, um, who was, is my oldest child, he was five when Bobby left the world. The first thing he said was, why don't they just bury us with him? Now, that talked to me, spoke, I mean, that, uh, if that didn't speak to the depth of, of his experience, I, I don't know what else would. But, but not a long time later, he was still five years old. He came to me one day and he said, you know, Mom, God holds everything with one finger, but Jesus uses two hands. And I'm like, whoa, you know, I don't have the story of creation, you know, Michelangelo's creation on the ceiling of his bedroom. No, in fact, I do not have that there. And (laughs) he hasn't been to theology class. I mean, it's just, wow, wow. And then my daughter was born a year later after Bobby left. And and she sang more than she talked. I have 10 brothers and sisters. I never met anybody that did that. And she, somebody gave us a piano when she was five. She could just go to the piano and play all this stuff. Bottom line, music, music. Her gift of music healed my heart in, in so many ways. How could God know that that was exactly what we needed, this unspoken, unasked for, undeserved gift channeled through Clara? And then I, I got to the point in my prayer life where I thought, oh, you know, I struggled to try and understand what this all meant. And I was reading all, everything I could get my hands on that had to, hands on that had to do with eternity and spirituality. All the saints, right? St. John of the Cross, Teresa of Avila, Teresa of Lisieux, um, uh, Thomas Aquinas, um, and then all the, and some popular authors at the time, Henry Nowen, and, um, uh, Thomas Merton and um, Peter Kraft, by the way, my favorite author, who I'll reference later. But anyways, um, I I finally kind of gave up and said, okay, I am going to just focus on thankfulness. That's it. Uh, if I if I only have two more years to live myself, I don't want to look back and say that I didn't appreciate what I had. So I'm just going to be thankful. And then what do you know? My last son was born on Thanksgiving Day. I mean, I just, just joy, joy, joy. God keeps breaking through. So I, I really began to appreciate the realm of mystery. God's ways are far greater than ours. That became a comfort. And when my, my suffering really, the days that it takes center stage, because I'm here to tell you, it's almost 33 years that have passed since Bobby left. And it's still, I still, I can be, be overcome with missing him. And when I struggle with the way my life appears, my husband will say, make the picture bigger. And then if I do, it's not just about that absence. It's about all God's promises, all that he said he would restore, all that he provides um, that, that is needed to fulfill his purpose for us in the world, that he's prepared a place for us in his kingdom. And, and so then I'm looking forward, not backward. It shifts my focus. And, and, and I, can, I can realize gifts 
unexplainable gifts and um and listen put 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 things in God's hands. Michael Horn. Hey Barb. Yes. Okay. Um did you get cut off at some point or what happened? I do not know. I don't okay. know what happened. And okay. um I I kept talking and I didn't I don't know. Okay, so I have no idea, but my phone shut off. And uh, okay, all right. I apologize uh, to anybody for the inconvenience of this. We'll hopefully get this fixed before the uh, um, final recordings release. So I apologize. Barb was talking about her um, experiences here um, and the faith turning points of her life, um, and especially the loss of her son Bobby at a very very young age. Um, and just talking about her prayers became bigger than words, and um, I think that's where we picked up, and that's when my phone cut out. So I'm sorry about that. Okay, well I can. I'm happy to revisit. Um, yeah. And um, thank you. So you know uh, uh, these things happen, right? Um, <laughs> right. So uh, another uh, actually kind of like a sudden realization was that the magnitude of my grief really reflected the magnitude of my love. And that became evident when I was on the floor sobbing and I did not know how I was going to stand back up. And I, it was like a light uh, came on in my head that said, this is because of love. That's, what, that's where this came from. And that, that eventually carried me forward because I knew that that ability to love is a gift from God. Um, and, and as I recognized as the days passed, what was gone, as I thought about what was gone, um, the, the opportunity to see and hear and touch my young son um, I realized that those are, I'm going to say just the tangibles. This, this is a big, this is something very big to give up, but it's in the recognition of these being our tangible connections, the intangibles became more real, our togetherness in spirit. And um, it, it propelled my spirit forward to, to realize that. Um, I found comfort in unexpected places and in unimaginable occurrences that I didn't necessarily generate. Like, I, I, I think they're like signs. I, sometimes we call them miracles. For me, this was a, a bridge to heaven. And the kind of word, I, the word I would give this experience uh, it, my faith experience is wonder. Uh, my five-year-old son, um, my oldest son, um, well, he was five when Bobby left the world, and his, his comment was, why don't they just bury us with him? And I knew then how deep his, his loss and, and his um, feeling was for his brother. And not a short, not a long time later, he came to me one day and said, you know, Mom, God holds everything with one finger, but Jesus uses two hands. And I just was struck by that profound, those profound words from my young child out of the mouths of babes. 
as if I had the Michelangelo's creation um, painted on the ceiling of his bedroom. I, you know, God reaches us in unimaginable ways, and, and uh, what a joy. Um, my daughter was born a year after Bobby left, and she sang more than she talked as a, as a child. I have 10 brothers and sisters. Nobody else ever did that. Uh, none of none of my sons did. It was clearly her gift. And then somebody gave us a piano, and she could just go play the on the piano what she just sang. And bottom line is, we had music. We constantly had music in our home. And to me personally, that's probably one of the most healing uh, gifts that um, that I uh, could ask for. And I, I, just, I just know that couldn't be a coincidence. Um, I, I got to the point after uh, spending a lot of time reading everything I could get my hands on that had to do with spirituality and eternity. At the time, um, uh, this led me to stories of the saints, St. John of the Cross, St. Thomas Aquinas, Ignatius, Teresa of Lisieux, Teresa of Avila, um, other writers, Thomas Merton, Henry Nouwen, uh, Peter Kreist, who is my favorite author and I'll mention later. Um, uh, I finally realized that I just was never going to get down to the bottom of everything. I just had such a desire to, to understand how this could be okay with God to have a, a, a young child um, not be able to grow up and in, in, uh, in become, you know, become who he is, or so it seemed. Um, I, I finally decided to focus my prayer life on thankfulness. And, and uh, months later, my youngest son was born on Thanksgiving Day. And I, I just thought, what are the chances? Isn't that, wasn't that a joyful experience? Um, I began to appreciate the realm of mystery, that God's ways are far greater than ours, and to, and to just keep my eyes open. And um, when my, I have to say, even today, 33 years later after this happened, when my suffering takes center stage, and I'm struggling with the way my life appears. My husband says, make the picture bigger. And then I, I look forward, not backward. I, I shift my focus, and, and bigger includes eternity. Bigger includes heaven. Bigger includes God's promises to restore all that is lost, to provide all that's needed to fulfill our purpose in the world and prepare a place for us in his kingdom. So, yeah, it's it's a blessing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so moving forward, again, it, it, there's even more, which I love. It's just, it continues to get richer, this story. Um, can you talk, I guess, next, Barbara, a little bit about, um, as we continue through your faith journey, just um, you mentioned kind of this idea of, surrendering to God and I mean especially with what you had experienced you could see how how this moment of surrender would 
be a result of, of like you mentioned, how your prayers became beyond words. You, you had this connection spiritually with your son. You realized just the wonder around you still in the midst of all the suffering and hardship. And So can you talk to us next a little bit about uh, that surrendering? Absolutely. Um, yes, I, I, I call it faith surrender because I experienced utter helplessness, total helplessness. Um, my second son, Gordy, um, joined Bobby in heaven when he was 25. He was studying out of state. He had a hereditary illness, which we knew about, but it became critical, and we didn't know, and he didn't know. And I, as a mother, prayed daily and fervently for the wisdom and knowledge to take care of my children to provide what they needed, and no forewarning. And honestly, I, I always questioned the same thing about Bobby. How did I not know that this respiratory cold was critical? Um, I, I, I um, were, you know, were my prayers the wrong prayers? It, it, I really uh, struggled with that, but I, um, I, I felt like, well, God wouldn't allow this to happen twice. But in fact, it did. And I, in my helplessness, I just, I just said, that's it. I just have to hand it all over. Okay, God, you know, I don't know how many more years I have left. I'm here to do what, do my job, to fulfill my purpose, and uh, then I get to go home too. And um, so I just, I, I, I just surrendered. Um, I, I won't say that I do completely, but because it's a constant, it's a process. But um, I put my loved ones and myself in God's hands. And I, I do feel in many ways detached from the world. I do feel like how can I care about my basement then flooded when, when, when I, I don't have a basement, but I don't have my son here. So I, I, you know, pretty naturally detached from the world. Um, and I find over time that, that life just doesn't hold value in the same way except through him, that I, I am so conscious of how fleeting our time is, and and nothing else makes sense but to 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 listen to God and and I am saying that all in general. I'm not saying that it, I'm perfect about it, but that is definitely at the center of our decisions. And um, I, I I did say many rosaries. I prayed many rosaries throughout. The years, I, the memorari, when I needed reassurance, boy, I can tell you, never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. I told, reminded Mary that she, <laughs> this, this is what, these were the words we counted on. But um, I, I, again, I, I, it's like I realize it's not, it's, I'm not in the lead here. I'm not in charge. And my my prayer journey led to a greater love and appreciation for our Blessed Mother because I'm a mother. And if you can relate to my exact experience. And um, Mary is is not just our mother. She's the Lady of Mercy. She's the Queen of Peace. She's comforter of the afflicted. She's the gate of heaven. And 
And that those titles, and there's many, many more, come from so many people's experience of her love. So that 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 was a real gift, and that's what led to my mission and my goal, my vocation, which is what what we're going to talk about next. Yeah, yeah. I just want to follow up one more point, just to kind of emphasize here, because I think you really hit just a good essential point in our lives, just relating our sorrows and sufferings to the Blessed Mother, because um, obviously Christ Himself, His suffering was very intense. Um, but we also have to remember to the, the seven sorrows of Mary and, and the extraordinary suffering and pain and sorrow that she experienced too because she was so united to the Lord. And I think that's so powerful, like you mentioned, in this act of surrendering your faith, of, of kind of finding this devotion to the Blessed Mother and how it ultimately led to your vocation and your mission and your purpose. And that idea, I think it's so important for people to understand today because especially a lot of people that are, are not Catholic don't understand sometimes our relationship with Mary. Um, mm-hmm. But there's, just, there's no one that's closer to our Lord than Mary. Um, mm-hmm. And by mm-hmm. imitating her, like you said, we can just have so many fruits and so many gifts given to us by the Lord uh, through Absolutely. through imitation of her and that surrender that she gave to. So I think that's extremely vital for us to, to remember. And so like you said, we're going to go next. Uh, we've transitioned to your mission, goal, and vocation. So there's a, there's a lot of material here too as well. Um, and yeah, just so um, you just want to feel free to – talk about any of these, uh, either your mission, goal, vocation, purposes. I know there's a lot going on here. For sure. Well, I'll start with mission. You know, honestly, it it comes from that prayer of St. Francis. It's in giving that we receive. Because my parents, you know, you you spend 18, 20 years (laughs) living um, in that, 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 that home that they they so you know lovingly uh, created for us. They lived simply uh, day their faith day to day, and through chronic illness, financial burden, countless trials, you can imagine with eleven children, they willingly sacrificed. I mean that you know it wasn't easy, but they but they they kept choosing to to do the same thing, and they prayed always. And they always gave thanks. And they told the family stories. They told about Grandma Cray and how she sacrificed and how she suffered. And and one theme bubbled to the top often, and, and my dad probably said this too, how little things make a big difference. And um, so I mission, again, that was behind it. Um, my goal, what did God want me to accomplish? You know, they always ask you in high school and college, what are you going to do? Well, I knew I wanted to continue the family stories, the family traditions, the family love. I, I, I wanted to have a family too. So I married in 1978. My five children were born in the 80s. So busy years. And I was also uh, in education. I was teaching. As, as you had mentioned, I was one of these born teachers that just loved to, loved to share what I knew and what I had learned. And so um, I did teach in the classroom. I had many roles in, the cl- in, in education, in, in schools, and, and a Fulbright research in Poland and Russia. And, but um, the, what was at the heart of it? 
the, the, the overarching goal was to help others to discover and develop their talents and abilities. So, oh, I used that word vocation. Loved the word vocation. What calls mm -hmm. to you? I would always ask them. Um, sure. You know, forget about the, all the assessments. What is pulling at your heart? What can you not wait to do? So, so there, there's that word, vocation, right? Um, but what I realized over time was that is not just a job or a role or a label. That is day-to-day, -day, moment to moment. What does God want me to do today with these resources, this health or whatever, these limitations, this, this ability, and so I really, moment by moment, I can even say, okay, I got 30 minutes. I, what am I supposed to be doing with this? And um, I, of course, I asked this question in light of my life experience. When Bobby and Gordy were taken to heaven, I didn't ask why me or why my sons because I was aware of suffering in the world. I, I know that suffering's a universal condition of humanity. I, I know I'm not the only one. And I know through history that many people's lives were seemingly cut short. And, and so what that did was kind of shifted the, the table and, and, and made me think about my own life as a gift. What, this, okay, I'm still here. So what am I supposed to do about it? What am I supposed to share? Because um, in a large family, you do ultimately realize that the value of what we have is in the sharing. I mean, we were forced to share. <laughs> we didn't have a choice. And we didn't all look so happy about it. But my mom used to say, you kids don't know how lucky you are, how good you've got it. And we have definitely found that out in spades as adults as adults. I never thought I'd say we're spoiled, but we were spoiled because we shared everything. Um, Mary, how, Mary spoke to me in, in some very powerful ways. First of all, she said, always said yes, and, and, and to God's call to her, God's call in her life. And when yes didn't make sense, clearly didn't make sense. She still said yes, and as you mentioned, she bore many sorrows, but she kept choosing love in the face of danger, fear, suffering. Talk about suffering. Talk about injustice. Talk about danger. Incomprehensible in today's world. Um, and she showed me a love that's stronger than death. And, and death, you know, becomes like the enemy. It's death that robbed my my family of, a, of happiness, or seem to, right? Um, so I, I really believed over time that I was being called to work on a tribute to our Blessed Mother. And I had studied art in school. Actually, that was one of my college majors. And my favorite topic in art was portraits, and my favorite medium was pencil. And yes, I'd done some pencil portraits through the years, but not a whole lot. You know, you're busy with raising your family and teaching. But I just, I, Michael and I decided now's the time. And I stopped doing everything else and said, every day, this is the kids were raised. And so, um, you know, um, life was simpler then. But uh, I, I dedicated 
a block of time and said, every day I'm going to get up and I'm going to work on portraits of our Blessed Mother. And so I, I, I uh, created them on wooden discs. They're one and a half inches in diameter. I don't know how I chose it, but, you know, that's how things evolve. Um, you just, well, maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do that. I, I did like miniatures because they, they, you know, you have to be up close to them. And, and so it's kind of an intimate connection with what you're working on and, and looking at. Um, took me about three hours to complete one. Um, but in that time, I reflected on the words of our Catholic prayers because, because of exactly what I said before. You know, as Catholics, you know, different than um, uh, some, uh, you know, many Christian um, uh, uh, Christians, I'll say in general, um, we 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 have many prayers that that are kind of you know provided for us, and <laughs> we've memorized all of them, and you know, um, but after you say like a thousand Hail Marys or a million Hail Marys, you're gonna ask. What, <laughs> how could this, is this, are these words connecting with how I'm praying right now? How can I relate? So I, that's what the lanterns are. The lantern is the correct word. It is a short form poem because I was creating miniature portraits. I thought I might as well do miniature poems. And so every phrase, like Hail Mary's one phrase, you know, uh, Full of grace, that's the next phrase. Um, I wrote a miniature poem about that. And, and it's uh, shaped like a lantern. So it's one syllable, two syllables, three, four, and one. And you would see that in my exhibit, uh, Heaven's Rosarium, the Rosary. Anyways, um, just to jump ahead. Um, the Hail Mary, the Memorari, Hail Holy Queen, Regina Chaley, beautiful prayers. And when they start to have personal meeting, they just expand. And then to take that, and, and in addition to focusing on the many faces of our Blessed Mother, um, was just, uh, just a very powerful experience and my own a very prayerful experience. I, I, I needed uh, to not think about making a beautiful portrait. What I needed to do was to find Mary in the wood. That was my orientation. And, and I, what happened was it reminded me of the many ways that God blesses all mothers with the capacity to love. Because we, you know, as a mother and anybody that's a parent finds out like, well, I never thought I could be that patient or that tolerant or that forgiving or I would never found, thought I'd find myself in that experience. But in fact, that, that love that we have for our children and for each other, God's the one that makes that possible. And I, I became aware of how my love for Bobby and Gordy, my sons in heaven, continues. Even if they didn't get to grow into adulthood, I didn't lose them. I still have five children. I, you know, I just two of them are gone before me. And I, I remember uh, one year, it was uh, Gordy's Glory Day. I, I call the day they, they were left the world, their Glory Day, the day they were born in heaven. And I was weeping away, and Michael said, you know, they're still here. They're, they're still here. And, and I said, yes, I know. We've said it a million times. 
And then he said, they're here in the most real way. And I realized that our connection, our, our togetherness in spirit is where it's at. And, and, and my mom in heaven and my dad in heaven, they are, I'm still connected. They're still present to me. My love for them, their love for me is still growing in the world and, and where I'm at and where they're at. So what a, what a joyful, a joyful thing to realize. And, and it, it really then falls on me to keep my spirit in the lead. Um, and so that is a part of how I know what to do next. I find when I follow God's call, the work and the blessings flow like a river. And I, in 2016, I created Heaven's Rosarium, the 15-foot rosary, and um, 53 poems about the prayers. Um, and then, as you had mentioned, in 2017, Neil helped me produce A New and Glorious Morn, the video montage, because that's a whole lot easier to share than, a, than an actual rosary that's sitting in a suitcase. And then Clara, with her wonderful voice saying, oh, holy night. And, you know, some people say, why a Christmas tune? Um, you know, I'm one of these people that thinks you can celebrate Christmas every day. And if, it, if I focus on the lyri- lyrics, if we all focus on the lyrics for Oh, Holy Night, um, it, it's really about celebrating the coming, the presence of our Savior and how we need our Savior every day. Because the lyrics, a weary world in sin and error pining. Wow, is that obvious. The thrill of hope. Um, uh, yes, we need hope. Um, and we need a savior and fall on your knees. Um, absolutely. Uh, and what, and what will you see? A new and glorious morn. And so I, I, I'm so thrilled to share that and this opportunity to tell the story around that it, it is why evangelization matters. Mm-hmm. Because it was blessing to me can be a blessing to someone else. Right. And I just want to say thank you before we transition to this final segment here, uh, Barb, because I think another, I mean, there's so many, like I said, there's so many rich points that you make, but I, I love this one too. Just about your understanding of vocation, it's, it's so unique and, and special. And I, and I, because I, I believe, I mean, obviously we, we look at the words like vocation in evangelization and people, I mean, there's a dictionary definition, but, there, but there's so much meaning around the term. And what you talk about vocation, I think it's so much like Mary. Um, and obviously that has influenced um, how you work as a result of that. And just understanding, like you said, how is God inviting me to follow him right now. So like in this particular moment of my life, like you mentioned earlier, we don't know how much time we have here, but I have this time right now. And what is God asking and inviting me to do with this time that's been gifted to me right now? And I think that is so powerful for us to understand because I think um, you mentioned earlier just a little bit about um, just I mean, looking at our society, and, and sometimes there there can be some distractions, and mm-hmm. it just and and it's just I think we distract ourselves even so much, and we waste so much time 
just with with things that don't mean anything at all. And like you said, just to change that approach to, oh, I have 10 minutes right now. Should I scroll through my phone or should I actually just say, maybe I can help somebody right now in this room. Like maybe there's somebody that I can talk to right now and actually make a difference in their day and in their life. So I think that, that mm-hmm. understanding of vocation is so important and I, and I value that very much. So thank you. Okay, so this final segment that we have here about evangelization, kind of your understanding of that term and, and what it means to evangelize in the world today in 2020, and then also just why is it so important for us? So those are the last questions I have for you. Just if you could share um, some of your thoughts on evangelization and then um, why do you think it's so important for us today? Oh, for sure. Thank you. Well, I, I, I totally agree with you. It's not, it's not just what we do. Because there's a lot, there are a lot of mundane things we have to do. You know, I got to go mow the grass and whatever else. But it, I think it's the way we do, also very much the way we do what we do, and 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 the way we do wherever we're at. Because there's limitations to where we're at. Um, you know, we have to take the dog to the vet or whatever, whatever it is. But you're you hit the nail on the head. I think we all know this. The world is cluttered with information that can desensitize the spirit and can distract um, our, our our choices. Uh, it can rob us of precious time and um, and uh, the time for what matters most. What matters most? Loving one another, right? And it, it can impact. Um, what we do, our decisions about our resources, our priorities, our actions, our commitments. So it's, I think it's just about staying tuned in. Um, you know, people have said to me many, many times, many times, I, that I was so strong. Oh, my goodness, you must be so strong um, because uh, I could never, I could never uh, survive if God took one of my children home. And they do say it's a, it's a very uh, big experience, a big experience, big loss. People say loss. And I remember I, I, don't, I don't really use that word loss. But in any case, um, people said I was strong. I never felt that, never. That to me that is totally not true, not accurate, because in a heartbeat I'd choose to have my sons beside me today, now, with all I know. But what the strength comes to me within our togetherness, and that's not just togetherness with those that I, you know, sitting across the dinner table or, you know, those that I'm sharing this uh, life experience with us with together with all of our loved ones, with all who've gone before us, with our all everyone in heaven, our parents, our grandparents, our great grandparents. Um, we need one another, and and I think that's God's intent. And um, to reassure each other, to pray, to laugh, to cry, to uplift each other, to love and be loved. And it's a it's. On a practical uh, plane, it's a reason to get, keep going, to get up the next day, to, to live your own life. You know, a bereaved mother can want to spend the rest of their life just memorializing their child who, whose, whose life seemed to be cut off. But we have our own calling and our, and our own mission to fulfill, and, and we need to, to, to look at that and, and, and listen to that. Um, so I, I told you that 
how, you know, how was I going to share? Well, you kind of got the feel of how this unfolded that I ended up putting together these portraits and created this rosary um, called Heaven's Rosarium. Rosarium is where the word rosary came from. It means rose garden. So loved finding that word. Um, and I did take it to schools and churches. And as soon as I listened to what was being said, how could I not want to do something with this? Here are some of the thoughts and some of the comments. When I look at those beautiful faces of Mary, I want to sing with deep and heartfelt gratitude. Gentle woman, kindest soul, so obedient and strong for all. Now that's the RCIA leader of the church that says this. Somebody else said, I was able to think of and relate to the human Mary. And that's the Rosary Altar Society president. Um, I had, oh, this one was interesting. I shared, this was a new and glorious morn. Uh, I was told, I shared with my students. Now, this is the chair of the philosophy department of a university in Nigeria. And this gentleman says, I shared with my students. They were strengthened, but the more I share, the more strengthened I became. And so this is like a channel, right? A second grader said, I felt like I was with Mary. Well, oh my goodness, how could I not want to, you know, provide that for all second graders? There was a fourth grader that said the, the, the uh, pictures of Mary reminded me of the beauty of heaven. God was there. Now we think about what is on our fourth graders' minds. And the right. fact that that came to him. Now, here's, the, here's what it really did it, the teenagers. Mary is now a big inspiration to me. Mm -hmm. I, uh, another teen, I got to see her not just as the mother of Jesus, but the mother of all of us. I thought of when I, I feel sad, how Mary will hear me pray. Another teen, I felt special because I can get called to be one of God's helpers. Oh, my goodness. And then here's, here's the one that really gets to me. This created in me a feeling of love. And I think about this day and age, what our teenagers, the images they have of love, and the fact that this is in this child's mind, I just, well, I didn't have a choice. I had to keep sharing this. And so I just want to say, Thank you, thank you, thank you. What a blessing it is to pass this along and uh, to, to, to be able to make a difference to anyone with the gifts that I have so, so fortunately received. And um, I, I, I think that's, that's part of the plan. <laughs> That's part of God's plan. I, I, I do want to say, uh, years ago, I heard Father Michael Himes. Um, he's a theologian, and I forget where he's teaching now. But I think he's at Boston College. But anyways, he had presented to the directors of religious ed and some Catholic school teachers, um, where are a topic? Where are we at as Catholics? Where have we been, and where are we going? And he said, he boiled it down. I love, I love his ability to do this. He boiled it down to just a couple words. He said, Catholic means universal. 
God is universally present. He is part of everything, everywhere, every time, every experience, every place, every person, everything. Now, Father Times, if you're listening, I hope I'm saying this right, but this is how it came across to me. He said, we have one calling as Catholics to behold, to behold that, to notice it, and to share. And so the great, great blessing to share and because certainly many have shared with me. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, so amazing. Yeah. So thank you, Barb, for, for all of your insights. I'm just going to recap a couple of things here, and then I'm just going to invite you to, to offer any, anything else that maybe has uh, stirred in your mind or heart during the course of the interview, um, just anything else that you would like to share. But, yeah, I just want to recap um, a couple of the highlights that Barb shared with us through this episode. So obviously a very strong and powerful faith journey. Um, she mentioned just at the beginning um, and, and with the introduction just that every, every person can be a student and every person can be a teacher. It doesn't matter your age. doesn't matter your intelligence. You can learn from other people and, and teach other people by your example. Um, she talked about the power of the liturgy um, uh, at an early age. She talked about the power of the prayer of St. Francis and understanding the many lines in that prayer and also how she then incorporated many lines from the, the various Marian prayers into her work. So she talked about with the prayer of St. Francis where there's injury being a source of pardon, where there's doubt being a source of faith, um, understanding that all of us as Catholics have a role and voice in the church, understanding that our prayer sometimes is larger than just words. Um, sometimes there's like Paul would, would say in his letter about this groaning, these groanings of the Spirit, um, that the Spirit prays on our behalf with us. She talked about how grief um, was uh, matched by her love um, and that those two, two elements of our experience go together. The more we love, the more we can grieve. Um, and um, love is what um, really propels us to, to mourn um, when we lose something, and, and just the, the power of love. She talked about the connections that were established between her and her children in heaven. She talked about um, God's ways being greater than ours and God's promises that he will prepare a place for us in his kingdom. Um, towards the, the last part about her surrendering in her faith experience, she talked about the meaning of life as always rooted in God because everything in here in this um, day in this age is fleeting. Um, everything that we experience um, is not going to last forever. And so it's always important for us to keep our minds and our hearts fixed on God. As Paul writes in the letter to the Colossians, just seek what is above. Seek those things that are above. Um, and she continued just mentioning that powerful connection she established with Mary, a, a calling for all Catholics and all Christians to understand um, just the role that Mary plays in our life um, and the power of the memorari, the power of the Hail Mary, understanding that she offers us mercy, that she offers us peace, that she offers us comfort in our affliction. She talked about the meaning of vocation and goal, about a moment-by-moment, day-to-day process of asking the Lord for guidance. Uh, uh, certainly, uh, an attitude that puts us in the spirit of prayer at all moments, even in the ordinary things that we experience in our daily lives. Again, she continued to discuss the, the value of Mary's example, 
understanding her sorrow and her danger and fear and understanding that she had a love that was stronger than death. And then finally, she talked about evangelization here. She talked about um, the power of following a vocation, the power of being together, and the power of sharing the Word of God, and also choosing to embrace vocation for the sake of evangelization, for the sake of the universality of the church, for bringing people into the fold, for beholding the beauty of ourselves as creatures of God, understanding that God is our Father, understanding that God gives us what we need, and that sometimes his ways are not our ways. There's so much to pray with um, from Barb's story of her experience of life, her faith journey, her, her understanding the family dynamics are so powerful and, and so uh, prominent in her story, too, just uh, how important the family can be to us today. And so, uh, Barb, I just want to offer you um, any final thoughts or any final reflections that you have um, as you've been so generous in sharing your story and your insights with us today. Well, thanks so very much. Well, I, I think uh, one uh, big message um, that I, I love the opportunity to share is that when our loved ones leave the world, it, it doesn't mean I don't have a brother anymore, I don't have a sister anymore. They, the, our relationship, because of our own spirit, our our relationship continues to grow because love always grows. And when God reminds us that, that this is not only one of the three greatest gifts, but it is the greatest gift, this, this, is, uh, this is of God. And as soon as we start to even try to imagine all that God is and, and, and has prepared for our life. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's beyond us. It's our, it's our hope. It's everything. Um, and I think as we get older and we see that the world is more and more uh, limited, uh, we are like strangers in a, in a strange land sometimes. We, we start to see that, that, that maybe there's part of us that doesn't, it fit in the in this uh, limited world. That is good news because God, what God has prepared for us, is so much greater. No eye has seen nor ear heard what 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 God has prepared for those who love Him, and um, the opportunity to realize this, the opportunity to share it and talk about it is is just pure joy. And I love that word because joy, joy encompasses sorrow. Joy is bigger than happiness because it says that, yes, sorrow is still here, but there's more. And when I share this, um, when I have this opportunity to, to teach, um, but also to be taught, I see us as instruments of peace which goes back to that prayer of St. Francis. Oh, I just love it. And so the one last thing that I'm so excited to share is that in the course of preparing for the interview, um, I, I took a little time after I put my notes on paper um, of what I uh, wanted to share. In fact, I took some time to look at, get to know the radio station better and to look at all these programs. 
And oh my heavens, there are so many topics that, that parallel um, my experience, my uh, uh, need and, 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 and desire to share, and, and really what, what is a part of uh, all of our faith journeys as Catholics and the opportunity to, to uh, uh, help each other um, uh, just prepare the way and um, to keep doing, doing God's work and following our call. And I honestly can't wait to, <laughs> to take advantage of, of, of learning more through this, this uh, wonderful uh, station, this wonderful channel of um, reaching out to others. So I thank you, Michael. I thank Dr. Sebastian who introduced us and uh, all the people that, that have made it possible for me to keep sharing. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, thank you as well again, Barb. So as we wrap up today, I just want to remind um, everybody about um, Barb's video that is um, available on YouTube. So it's um, called A New and Glorious Morn. She mentioned this earlier. So uh, the, the title of the video, if you search um, in YouTube, it would just be Blessed Mother Mary, a new glorious morn, and this is uh, part of the channel called Blessed Madonna. So if you'd like to subscribe to the channel Blessed Madonna, you can also find it there. Again, the title of the video is Blessed Mother Mary, a new glorious morn. And just like Barb was saying, it's O Holy Night um, with a slideshow of all of these images of Mary and, and these prayers, these phrases from the various Marian prayers, just a beautiful, powerful video. And she shared some of the testimonies from people all over the world um, and their reactions to this video. So I invite you to check that out. And as we wrap up today, I just want to say a final thank you to all of our listeners and those who have continued to support us. Again, this is a, uh, an episode of the Word of Mouth podcast. Our guest today was Barb Powers Harris. You can access this episode and all the episodes of the Word of Mouth podcast at WCATradio.com, and you can also find mm-hmm. us at Spreaker.com if you search for Word of Mouth and the option that's based on society and culture. So thank you so much again. May God continue to bless you and your families. And we pray for you that the church might be strengthened during this very difficult time for all of us. So Barb, thank you so much for your time. And um, we will sign off today. Have a blessed day, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, God's Beloved. I'm Annabelle Mosley, author, professor of theology, and host of Then Sings My Soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. I invite you to listen in and find inspiration along this sacred journey we're traveling together to make our lives a masterpiece and, with God's grace, become saints. Join me, Annabelle Mosley, for Then Sings My Soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. God bless you. Remember, you're never alone. God is always with you. Thank you for listening to a production of WCAT Radio. Please join us in our mission of evangelization. And don't forget, love lifts up where knowledge takes flight.